Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to medterracbd.com and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15 to save 15% off every single one of your purchases. We are closing on an episode 800 here on the Big MX Radio Podcast. Before we do that, we have to call up a good friend of ours. He's a repeat offender and he's been on the podcast a number of times. He's a Canadian national champion in the 250 class, but now sets his sights on the 450 class. The big boys, the big boss, the hot sauce, and now six-time moto winner. Two overalls to his credit and he's only raced two of them. So that's pretty good. I don't, I don't know if that's good. I think that's good. Um, he called his shot prior to uh, the season uh, in a text uh, with me me where he uh, basically said I don't bet against myself I'm here coming to win his name is Dylan Wright right <laughs> yeah you got it uh yeah no good to be back on the show uh it's been a, it's been a little bit since I've been on so nice to catch up for sure Absolutely. Way too long since we last had you on. Fantastic interview. But it's been a long time since we had a lot of uh, uh, high-flying uh, Canadian motocross action to talk about. In fact, I believe we had you on shortly after your championship, uh, getting all sewed up uh, only about a year ago. Um, and uh, that that's what like everyone was talking about, you making that transition, moving over to the 450. Um, is that going to be something that falls into your strengths? Can you handle it? This, that, and the other thing. All that speculation laid to rest, Dylan, uh, when uh, not only were you able to uh, to ride with the, the front of the pack at some of those uh, preseason races in Ontario, um, but uh, for, for lack of better uh, terms, this is sort of like the, the Ontario-Quebec Nationals right in your backyard, right in your wheelhouse of where you're going fast. And, and it showed with uh, Gopher Dune, of course, the home uh, home track to the team, as well as a track that you've probably spent a lot of time, a whole lot more time than I have anyway, at a place like Walton, uh, where you're currently camping with your beautiful fiance, uh, taking uh, six moto victories to start the season. Where do we start with you, my friend? It's been impressive. Yeah, like you say, um, you know, last year I was able to get that 250 title, um, and then it was almost like the team and I had to figure out what we were going to do. Were we going to run the number one plate in the 250 class or move up because Colton was retiring? So um, that opened up a spot on the on the 450 side of things, and uh, we had some pretty long discussions to see kind of uh, what we wanted to do and what was better uh, for team sponsors, for myself, um, and everything. So um, it wasn't an easy decision, but we ultimately made the decision to move me up to the 450 class and. I think I knew after the season that I wanted to move up. Um, I've ridden a 450 in the past, and uh, I really like the Honda 450 and the way uh, it handles and stuff. So I was uh, I was excited to get uh, riding on it and get going. So that was uh, that was kind of the big transition over the winter was just kind of getting my setup and everything dialed um, in the off season there down in down in Florida at uh, the Carmichael Farm, and then. Um, then COVID and stuff happened before we went racing up here in Canada. So we had another couple months to kind of try and perfect the bike uh, as much as possible and get myself ready for battle. Really, come uh, go for dunes. And uh, yeah, I was able to put a was able to put up some pretty good scores here in the first uh, two nationals and just uh, keep moving forward and you know try and stay humble throughout the whole um, experience this season and uh, just um, do my best. 
Yeah, and, and your best has turned out to be uh, pretty consistent at the front, good starts, good pace, um, but definitely uh, leaving some people, no, I wouldn't say scratching their heads, but uh, like there there's skepticism there. There's people who, like, obviously you're a rookie. Uh, there's a lot, there's, like, you don't know what to expect, um, but all I see from from the broadcast that I've watched is uh, a talented guy with tons of speed who's just going out there and riding. Like it it's, uh, feels like a bit like for whatever reason, even though it's your first uh, 450 year, you'd think there would be some pressure there. It's you, you're riding really free. You're riding really uh, like very relaxed out there, and I think that's coming out in your riding, being able to get to the front and uh, a kid that's uh, having some fun out there. Like it, it's it's a refreshing look, and uh, I think it's uh, it's allowing you to continue to roll. While uh, I think a few of the guys that are uh, parked in just behind you are getting kind of frustrated. Yeah, like you say there, um, that was one of the big things that I wanted to work on uh, this season was taming kind of my aggression that I had on the two fifty. Um, moving into the 450 class because I can't, I'm not going to be able to ride that bike for 40 minutes um, the way I would ride a 250. So that was my main focus heading into the off season was to uh, perfect that as much as possible. And, you know, just go out and ride and, and uh, put my best laps in, but try and be as smooth as I possibly can, making the least amount of mistakes. And uh, so that was kind of my main focus and obviously just working on the basics. Um, switching bikes and stuff isn't, always the easiest thing so just had to keep an open mind and try and get my setup perfect and uh we're 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 pretty much there i like uh, my whole setup i like the way the bike is um obviously my riding i still have some stuff that i would like to work on and every weekend i seem to learn something new um, that i want to work on and keep progressing with so for me it's just always try to keep moving in the right direction uh with my riding and uh and with the bike so um, that's kind of been my 100% focus all season. And, uh, yeah, like you say, just go out in the motos. And uh, I've been trying to race like I practice because my practice, uh, my practices have been going good um, in between the rounds and down south. So I knew if I could just keep my calm uh, riding style and still put a, my aggressive touch on it, um, I knew – Hopefully, we would have some great uh, results um, heading into the season, and uh, and we did. So I'm pretty happy with that. And uh, like you say, I was even a little bit surprised myself. You know, I try and stay humble and choose my roots. And I know the guys that I'm racing against are amazing competitors, and I mean they're gonna fight me tooth and nail till the checkered flag waves. So um, for me, even coming in. Um, and winning the first six motos is, is you know, I, I love it and I'm super happy. Um, but I know I just got to keep focusing because these guys are these guys are amazing, amazing athletes as well. Absolutely. It is motocross. Things happen uh, at a drop of a hat, but you have been successful right off the hop here. Um, who has been uh, the most excited for you over at the, the GDR Honda team? I imagine um, like it, it's uh, it's all hands on deck, uh, making sure that uh, the I's are dotted, T's are crossed. But uh, you get back to the, the pits and like the, the noof is just jumping up and down. Uh, is it Colton who is just completely out of character, just like just yelling and screaming, excited? Or is it uh, pretty much just quiet confidence over there, the kids getting it done? Yeah, I would say more the quiet confidence kind of um, thing. I know for me, 
I don't like to show too much emotion, uh, good or bad, um, on race day and throughout the week. Um, just like to keep an eel, even keel, um, keep everything the same every day. Um, just keep um, my schedule and everything the same. And I feel like a lot of people on the team are like that as well with Colton and stuff. We don't, I try not to get like the highs and the lows of motocross. Um, cause like you say, anything can happen. You win some, you lose some. So I try and keep a nice flat line, um, you know, between that and not get that roller coaster of emotion. Um, so for me, that's kind of a big thing in my program that I like and the team, um, kind of follows that as well. So for me, that just seems to be what works. And, you know, we, we win a race, we win an overall, it's, you know, we, we all give each other a high five and job well done. And, uh, but no one gets too, uh, too, too out of hand excited wise. Um, you know, it's our job, we get the job done and then we still got to focus on the next race and the next overall to win. So, um, that's kind of our main focus. No doubt. So uh, I, I'm not too sure how much experience you have with this three moto format. I imagine you've made more trips to the uh, Loretta Lynn's Ranch than I have, but um, I kind of like it in the form of like just that much more, um, like more motos. Honestly, like one of the things with the Canadian National Series for a long time, like ten races. Uh, it's a, sh- it makes it a short series. So a three moto format makes it literally one third bigger of a series with 30 motos versus 20. Um, but also just more bang for your buck as far as, uh, the fans are considered. Obviously there's a lot of, uh, like there's, there's a few races where there are no fans allowed. But if this was to come back, um, and, and for the pros to have a moto on, on amateur day, which is where, where I shine. I'm not too sure if you know this, but I recently had my first moto victory ever, uh, two weekends ago. Um, oh, congratulations on that. thank you. Appreciate it. Only had to race for 20 years for that to become a thing. Uh, but, uh, and I backed it up in the second moto taking the overall, no big deal. But getting back to my question to you. Um, how do you like this three moto format Saturday one moto? Like I, I, I kind of feel, I really like it. Like it seems to fall into, um, like it just kind of adds to the flow of the weekend and, uh, it can really throw a wrench into things or like, Hey, maybe it rains on Saturday. Um, and it's uh, a mutter on Saturday. It's nice for Sunday or, or vice versa. Like I know, um, I don't know if you remember way back when, uh, in 2007, you were definitely not racing pro, but, um, at Saturday, that like crazy mutter in Morden, where it was basically, they did a one moto format. I don't even think they raced the second half of the day. The Saturday was beautiful and it was actually a cool, like the Saturday practice, Dusty Clatt and all the boys were clicking them off. Um, and then Sundays the rain came, like what, like, that's a long way of asking you. How do you feel about the three moto format? Yeah, it it's all right. Um, I'm all right with it. I like. I'm a guy who can kind of adapt. Yeah. Uh, the kind of the environment and the racing and stuff that we have. But I I would say I'm a I'm more of a one day kind of guy. I yeah. think I like that a little bit better. Because um, just though I feel like the way they have it structured. Um, they have to because like the amateurs in the afternoon and stuff on Saturdays at some of the events, right. Uh, race so early on the Saturday, yeah. um, the four fifties are actually the first moto of the day. And then we're done by 11 o'clock or something like that. 11, 1130. Yeah. That's kind of weird on Saturday. And then we have all day just, 
you know, hanging out and getting ready for the next day, which is all right. But that's a lot of time of like, you know, not not stressing, but I mean, you know, you're in your mental game um, on race day, and now it's like a whole weekend where you got to be, you know, mentally on point. And okay. I know I'm not the same person on race day as I am throughout the week, as I'm like super focused on the job and the task at hand. But you know, you bring you bring it into two days, and it it's it takes a little bit more out of you uh, mentally, and uh, and stuff like that. And like you say, with the weather. Uh, we had it this past weekend at Walton, actually. Saturday, super sunny, dry, nice conditions. Uh, track was perfect. Yep. And then Saturday night, downpours, and we're in for a mutter on Sunday. So it just adds a little bit more uncertainty to it, which is actually fun for the fans, I, I guess, because you can see in one weekend Hell yeah. three different tracks. So um, that's pretty cool. But um, for me, I'm a guy you, like you. You're, you're not on the sidelines. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. I like to, I like my Sundays or the Saturdays, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have race day, you get your two motos done, and then you get to go home, whereas this is a little bit more drawn out for us as racers, but, you know, it's our job, and that's what we do, but I've just actually been bringing my camper um, to the track and staying at the track instead of leaving, going to the hotel and stuff, just to minimize travel and uh, and minimize, like, restaurants and everything, because with COVID, you never really know um what you're gonna get so um just kind of been doing that and living the almost bringing it back to amateur stuff you know just living the you know the the racing weekend kind of lifestyle fair enough and absolutely i i do see it from a racer standpoint not only is it like bust your body up two days in a row versus uh just the one day format um but like say you happen to have an awesome moto first moto you like you win that first moto now you have to like be, like you're always thinking about all right i gotta i gotta back it up i gotta back it up i gotta back it up for another 24 hours before you get an opportunity to see if you're going to be able to do so and vice versa how you maybe you, you'd absolutely take a shit the first moto um and then you you're like the first, like as soon as you have a bad moto, the next thing you want to do is jump back out there and redeem yourself. But hold your horses; you got to wait 24 hours to do exactly that. So um, it does throw a little, a few wrinkles into things uh, as a fan, as a as a spectator of it, um, sort of man. But I love it. It's 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 great. It's great TV. Um, but yeah, I don't know if this is something that that uh, continues in the future. I I suspect it's probably a byproduct of COVID and COVID only, um, moving forward. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, thrown a wrinkle into things. Uh, with this weekend, like you guys, like you said, uh, great great Saturday uh, conditions, and then then a full blown mutter, um, proving that you could do it in both conditions. That was pretty impressive. In fact, I think I've seen some a photo floating around out there. Are you doing a knack knack while your both tires are on the ground? Uh, maybe you can get into that a little bit. But uh, if that's the scariest moment you've had so far, and you haven't uh, put a wheel wrong otherwise to lose a moto, I think the other guys have something to worry about. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually saw that picture. It didn't feel nearly as gnarly as the picture was when I was on the bike uh, until I saw the picture, and I was like, oh, I was actually bent out of shape pretty good there. Um, but, yeah, I just I was coming into a rut, and the rut because, like, the ruts were pretty soft because it rained a lot, and throughout the day it was sunny and windy, so they were starting to dry out, but you didn't know if they were going to hold or not, and this rut had a hook in it, and I hit the hook, like, really hard, and it just bent me right out of shape. Um, 
So that was kind of a byproduct of that, which sucked because I had just actually gotten around Phil into second um, in that race one lap prior, and then I threw that away and had to I had to get him back. So uh, I was pretty frustrated with myself a little bit with that mistake, but I mean it's racing; it's going to happen, especially with the tough conditions uh, we had. You know, if that's the only uh, big mistake that I kind of made on the day, um, we'll take it and uh, we'll learn from it and move on. Um, but uh, but yeah, again, to like the, the three moto format as a spectator, I think it is good um, because it gets the. Um, I feel like as an amateur, if you're racing the same weekend, like there's a lot more racing to watch. Yeah, totally. And like a spectator on the TV side of things, um, there's also a lot more racing to watch instead of like just two motos. So I think that aspect is cool, uh, spectator. I saw, like, say, I don't know if they're gonna stick with that for next year. Maybe they're maybe seeing how it goes, but um, I would expect just because the we have a little, a few less rounds that they're they tried to extend the amount of motos um, that we had towards the championship by uh, adding a third moto. So I don't, I don't know if they stick with it, but I guess we'll see. Or maybe a few rounds that go with it like that. Um, I guess we'll have to see next year what they what they uh, what they go with. Yeah, like, like I said, I, th- I think it's it's working so far. I really like uh, the the addition of more motos. It it just seems to, like to me it sort of adds to the legitimacy of the of the series of just having to be that good, that many motos, and um, and it's uh, it's part of being a pro. And as much as it might not be super fun, like, I, what would you prefer? Uh, three moto format only on a four fifty. Or if you had to uh, time travel back to the mid '80s to not only have to race race uh, Ross Rollerball Peterson and uh, um, two 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 trick Al Dick, but uh, 125, 250, 500, two motos each class one day, which one are you picking? Yeah, I'll pick the three motos on the 450. Um, man, those guys back in the day were gnarly, but. I feel like with the bikes nowadays going from, um, I don't know, I didn't race in that era, but going all, from a 250 yeah. to a 450 is such a huge change um, in riding style and everything. Like it would be, it would be tough, especially like how fine tuned some of the bikes are now, suspension, engines, and everything wise. Like it would, it would be a tough go uh, for sure. But I mean, if everybody was doing it, uh, maybe that would kind of equalize it out a little bit but i've man for someone to even double class nowadays is it's pretty gnarly like it's tough because like i said i don't know how it was back then but even between the 450 the two motors on 450 on sunday like there's not a lot of time to rest and get ready um because basically we've got like 45 or 50 minutes between when that first 450 moto finishes till the we have to be at staging for the next one so i i don't even know if it would be possible no i don't know how those guys did it like all of your rest time would be spent actually still racing yeah yeah it would be gnarly (laughs) (laughs) that 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 is like it almost doesn't seem real when you talk about it or even think about what that day would be like um like 
I don't like this is like completely off topic, but like, what have have you ever like sort of like double classed it? I'm sure you probably double classed it like 65, 85 days or like 85 uh, onto a 250F at some point. Um, but even like during your classes uh, on like at some of the local races and stuff like that, or do you just race a 450 in some age classes uh, or uh, or just a 250 against 450s um, when you were on 250s? Like, how did that work? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when my, my dad and I were doing it, I would switch between, um, at one point I was switching between 50 and a 60, 60 and an 80, 85 and a 125, and then a 125 and a 252 stroke. Uh, nice. That's sweet. Matching two strokes yeah. is like the goals of all, all motocross racers ever. I hope you took pictures. Yeah. And I actually stayed on a two stroke until my first year pro. Um, I love in, that. And when you was at 2014, I think was my first year pro. Like it. Uh, so I actually stayed on a two stroke till then, just because my dad could actually work on it and rebuild it, and you know, it was cheaper for us to do it that way. Yeah. So um, for me, it taught me a lot of good habits of carrying momentum uh, and stuff like that. So I was actually, I was actually happy that my parents did that. And then my first year pro on a 250, I would say I went to a 250F. And that was when I stopped kind of moving back and forth from a bike to another bike, and I would just focus on the 250F. And I did that for a while. I double classed one of one or two of lengths, like a local race or a money race or something. I had a 250 and a 450 for a couple of years. That was a very rare kind of thing in the fall after the season was over. I would get my hands on a 450 and ride it um, some, and I've done that the last few years, but. Um, until about two years ago where I was like, no, I am riding one bike and that's it. I'm going to perfect it, get it absolutely 100% perfect. And that's kind of what I've done. And yeah, so the transition to four video is actually a little bit tougher because I hadn't ridden one in probably four years. Uh, so it took me a little bit to get used to. No doubt, no doubt. Well, good to see that you've uh, you've clearly adjusted. Uh, obviously, there's a, a long way to go for your uh, 450 career just yet, but so far a decent start. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna say that it's been a decent start so far. I'll give you that. Um, and, and just to touch on the double classing thing, one local story uh, as we sort of segue into a different local story. You'll see how I'll tie that in. You probably know where I'm going with that. Um, what my first year racing. 2001 yep. i know you were probably quite young then um or i just started riding <laughs> it's amazing i was uh racing 85s already in the 13 and 16 class um there was a, the local guy that was like the number one guy don formo he raced a ktm 520 in one class 450 class or is that it was called the 250 class then and then raced yep. a 125 ktm in the in the second like in the other, like the 125 pro class. So his, his two back and back to back bikes could not have been more different. Yeah. I, yeah. That's pretty gnarly. I don't even, <laughs> that if for someone to be able to do that, you, you're a, you're a talented guy on a motorcycle because going yeah. from a two stroke to a four stroke and not even from a 125 to a two DF, but a 125 to a 500 or yeah. 520. It was, just, it was like the basically the, the the maximum displacement allowable by the AMA, which is what the uh, KTM used as their uh, sort of works bike. That's a, they were allowed each each manufacturer was allowed one of those. That's why it was the Yamaha 400, and then uh, Honda pushed it to 450. But anyway, um, 
let's talk let's let's keep it Manitoba for a second here. Um yeah. like some guys go to the 450 class, they work they win their first six motos in the class, it's not a big deal, but some kids like that's that's kind of an accomplishment. Some kids at 14 years old uh, race for the GDR Honda team uh, out of a man, out of a province that no one's ever heard of. Literally, like one fast dude has ever come out of here, uh, Ryan Millar, and he was uh, uh, I love Ryan. He's a bit of a flash in the pan locally or uh, professional wise. Um, but uh, can we talk about Ryder McNabb? And uh, first of all, how awesome his family is. How f- freakishly fast he is and at 14 years old uh sixth place in nationals no big deal just throwing it around and i'm, I'm sure he's got to be a, he's got to be fun to watch yeah for sure i'm obviously i've been working with him this winter and stuff as well love it and he's he's like really fast for how young he is um which is cool to see and um I think he's he's got a bright future ahead of him. His family is super down to earth. I, uh, Magnum and Brad are awesome. His brothers are just like little rugrats running around, you yep. know, um, which is which is awesome. I mean, they're living that moto lifestyle, which is which is pretty cool um, for him to have his family and everything support him like that, which is great to see. Um, and I think I think he's going to do some great things. Um, and I don't think personally. Um, I guess I'll put this out there. I don't even think I've told him, but I personally think sixth place or fifth place, I think it was this weekend. Yep. That got in one moto. Um, I don't think that's going to be his best finish of the year. So um, I think he's, he's riding very well and he's slowly figuring some stuff out uh, weekend by weekend. And I mean, he's, I feel like he's got a, a good group of guys around him, even though we are hard on him sometimes because he's young. You gotta you know? be. You know, locker room mentality, man. You don't know too much, and there's guys around you. So, um, I think Colt's been really good for him. Um, I think myself. Um, hopefully, I can I can help him as much as I possibly can because I try to help all the guys, um, even Tanner and him, as much as as I can because I've been through it not too long ago. So, um, I try and give them all the advice I possibly can for them to get the best results that they can in the in the TVD class and I think it's been going really well this year and uh, we just have with riders just a few of those young um, young moments you know on the bike or even off the bike um, which are gonna happen at that age um, that maybe needs to be cleaned up but um, all in all I mean he's a fantastic kid fantastic rider um, and like I said he's got a he's got a really bright future ahead of him in in Canada, if that's where he decides to stay, mm-hmm. um, U.S. If he decides to go that route, um, you know, I think uh, I don't think we've seen the best of uh, Ryder McNabb at these two races, and you know, I think uh, I think he's got I think he's got some good potential um, here to close out the season as his rookie year. Uh, you know, and I mean, coming from Manitoba, a little bit off the radar. Um, in terms of amateur kids that have come up the past ten years or so, that's you're being very polite when you say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but it's it's kind of cool to see a kid from you know Saskatchewan, the Prairies, um, come up and be and going to be competitive 
um, for for race wins here soon. So, I uh, yeah, I don't have enough good things to say about the kid. To be honest, he impresses me a lot um, when we're practicing and stuff. So, uh, yeah. Fair enough. How long before the kid's nipping at your heels and uh, and, and hanging up number one plates uh, right alongside you? Yeah, uh, that's a tough one. It's going to depend on um, kind of the progression uh, curve that he um, continues to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tough one. I'll, I, 2021. I, Just I, say 2021. Let, let you know maybe after a, one more full year. Okay. Um, because that'll, that'll fully tell kind of the story. Um, but he does have a lot of talent. All nat- natural talent and um, some and good work ethic um, for a young kid. So um, it might not be long, and uh, we'll see. I mean, it's always the game. It's the uh, the game keeps keeps evolving, and you know, I'm although I'm still fairly young. Um, the young kids coming up eventually are you know they're gonna get the best of me at some point. So um, hopefully it's not too soon because I uh, I do like to win. But uh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna help him um, as much as I can um, to get him to the top, where I think he he wants to be as quick as possible. So. Fair enough. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, Dylan Wright doing all he can to get uh, uh, Ryder McNabb, the uh, the pride of Minnedosa, Manitoba, to uh, to be at the top step of the podium at some point, possibly uh, twenty twenty uh, outdoors. And as soon as he makes it to the four fifty class, straight for his tib fib, put him in the cheap seats. Uh, no longer friends. Um, yeah, friends off as soon as the riders in the 450 class. But like I said earlier, when the gate drops, there ain't no friends out there. Zero, none. Uh, especially if, uh, if you're the number 54 machine. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, like it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that kid progresses. And I appreciate you taking him under his wing a little bit and, uh, racing the Canadian National Series, which, uh, like the Triple Crown Series. It's been, uh, this is, I believe, the second full year, if not the third full year, uh, of them running it. I think it's been fantastic, um, the way they've progressed things a little bit. And hats off to the country of Canada for taking coronavirus seriously enough that we can have races, um, already happening. I think that, 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 that doesn't get said enough that, um, we, we, like, things are still kind of locked down. But uh, because Canada did as well as we did with it, uh, we, we can go racing, and that's that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we have to give the hats off to the Sears and everybody too, of course. to, um, you know, make it happen and get us racing. And as well as the municipalities and the Ontario, Quebec government for kind of allowing us to have the racing that we've been having and even having the Walton Transcan and everything. It's a huge part for our moto community to have these events and, you know, for it to be able to go off is really nice. Obviously with some adjustments, wearing masks and, you know, social distancing and stuff, which is super important. Um, if we want to keep having these races. So I think that's a great way for us to kind of show the municipality and the government that, you know, we, we deserve to have these races and we can respect the rules. So, I think that's a that's a big part that everybody's going to have to play um, at these events, and I mean, hopefully soon we can get some spectators out 
at the races because um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, man. Sometimes on the on the weekend or even like on the podium and stuff, it's I'm not gonna say lame, but it's, it's just weird. I imagine. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of boring sometimes. Like you're walking around, there's no one here, um, except for teams and riders, and and you know, so it's they're not it's happy little, for you. And even when you come around, like there's <laughs> our team members cheering you on, but there's yeah. no really any fans uh, per se, other than I mean, I have my my fiance and my parents, um, you know, but that's kind of like about it, like. It's tough. You got Moto family, and that's it. There's no fans cheering on, and then the podium celebration. Um, we have to be like six feet from like the interview, and then there's no champagne. There's no crowd. There's you know, it's just it's a little bit different vibes um, coming off from a moto. But hey, we'll take it. We're going racing, so hopefully we can get some fans out here soon, and you know, put on a good show like uh, like we know how to. Absolutely. Uh, the, the fans are what make the series when it comes to um, hanging off the fences and cheering you on to uh, likely some more moto wins throughout the summer of 2020. Dylan Wright here on the Big MX Radio Podcast. We appreciate you making the time, man. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, you're a great interview and uh, you're turning yourself into a great 450 rider uh, right before our very eyes. Um, I, I can't thank you enough for making the time today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. It's always to chat about uh, what's going on and in my life and in the moto community's life and everything so it's always it's always a good time and like i say anytime i'm uh glad to come on the show and have a quick chat and uh kind of let the listeners out there uh maybe have a little insight on what's going on behind the scenes so it's always uh, it's always nice to give that part of the that part of the rundown too of our uh of our schedule Fair enough. A little peek behind the curtain with uh, with none other than uh, your current 450 points leader uh, in the Triple Crown Series, Dylan Wright here on the Big MX Radio podcast. Uh, I understand, Dylan, you've you've got to get back to another wrestling match with your uh, with your fiance. You guys are camping out there. I can only imagine what you guys will be getting up to in the week here. No TV. No, no nothing else to do. Um, but, uh, you can use your imagination, uh, with that. Um, yeah, it, I, I assume you're just going to have a fantastic week. I, I'm, I, I, I'm sitting over here quite jealous. Yeah, we're, uh, going to be doing some, some, uh, some motos on the bike for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, motos on and off the bike, uh, with Dylan Wright. Um, Dude, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, I assume now that I am a not only a moto winner, but an overall winner here in Manitoba. You're going to want one of my jerseys now that you're a 450 superstar. I want one of these number nine jerseys. So we're going to do a bit of a swap uh, and maybe make a jersey available for uh, uh, some fans if, if that's at all possible. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll have to get you on the podcast again soon, my friend. Yeah, for sure. I can uh, for sure do that. We can... We can talk about that and uh, maybe have uh, have me on and we can do a draw. That'd be cool. Yes. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll get some people submitting some numbers and, uh, we'll, we'll pull that next time you're on the podcast. But, uh, don't hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we'll get it, we'll, uh, hang it up right there.